September the 20th be with you. The day that we will remember always as the day that I got Yellow and Yangtze. Why? Why are we always going to remember that? I don't know. Maybe we'll like it. Who cares, Ryan? I care. We care, James. And, and you th- and do you care enough that, like, this is the day you got it? Is that, like, a special yes. thing? Yeah, because my life... remember the first day you started playing League of Legends, your favorite game? That's not, but this is Yellow and Yangtze, James. That's not Le- League of Legends. This is, this is why and why the follow-up to Tigris and Euphrates by the legendary Reiner Knizia. That my life is evenly split between the days po- pre-Yellow and Yangtze and post-Yellow and Yangtze. And from now on, we will no, no longer have BC and AD. We will have P... Wait, hold on. Both of them are... Um, okay. It's going to be BY and BYNY and AYNY. Thank you. But if they're if your days are evenly split, doesn't that mean you only have what twenty eight more years to live? Yes. Well, not exactly. That's not really how the the uh, you know AD BC works. It's just a point in time. Everyone lives in you, this point. But you in said time. an even split. I mean, it's not an even split yet. I can't assume that mm. I will live that much longer than twenty eight years with the way things are going, but. I mean, at least we got Y and Y, right? So how are you on this day, James? It's good. Today is the day, and we mark this in our calendars, is the day I got my eighth Edge Transit. That's very exciting. Uh, I, that's someone, a Destiny 2 weapon uh, for those who are not in playing, the... Yeah, if you're playing Destiny, Destiny 2, 2, you would know. Forsaken Zeitgeist. Oh, if you are in Destiny 2, you certainly know that the Edge Transit is a weapon. Yes. Um, I, I really like... I I actually absolutely love the. I mean, I usually don't like stupid community uh, uh, requests like this, but there was a request on the Destiny subreddit about making the Edge Transit's reload animation be like Reapers, where you'd throw it away and then pull yes. another one out. That's not far off. Do you think that. I wonder if there's a reason why people feel like they're getting so many Edge Transits. Because there's. Because they are. Yeah, I mean. Sh- Sort of because, but there, there's also like there's plenty of other guns that I feel like I've gotten with some certainty, like um, the Misfit. I've gotten a bunch of the Misfits. Um, I, like I, I don't know, like I, uh, what, what's a uh, the pulse rifle? Like I forget. The thing is, is that um, there is only one globally available legendary power weapon, and it's Edge Transit. So if there is a one in three chance, uh, and I don't know how it works, but let's imagine that there's a one in three chance of primary, one in three chance of secondary, one in three of power, that one in three power is always edge transit because it's the only choice. Okay. So all the other uh, heavies are locked behind different... It's a bad pool. Events. Okay. So that, that explains it a little bit, I guess. But hey, Destiny 2 is good. I think that we are finally at the point... Uh, or at least I feel like I've gotten to the point where I can actually say yes. Yeah. Destiny 2 is good. Yes. It, it took me a couple of weeks to get to there, to, to actually like feel it out, because I don't trust them. You shouldn't trust them now. I do trust them now. I think Destiny 2 is good. Yeah. Destiny Des- 2 is good. Destiny Destiny right. 2 is good in a way that it prob- Destiny has never maybe ever been. Like maybe Taken King era, but... I think the Destiny we've always like. I know I've always liked it, but it, it's it, despite an absolute feverish like love of it. 
Uh, I think that there has it's always been a game where if someone asked about it, I wouldn't give them a uh, you know clear unanimous yes, yes get the get this game, try this game out because there's always been so many weird issues and community complaints and uh, it, just dumb stuff that came out of Bungie, Bungie mostly Bungie's bunglings. Um, but uh, this is the first time that I feel like Destiny is actually just very good. There's not a lot. It's to, good. It's hard to like, like when, like when you see complaints or when I feel complaints for Destiny, it's it's minor stuff now. It's not like major major stuff. Like there's nothing to do, or yet you like I finished all the content. There's nothing to do, or like the whole weapon system is broken, or stuff like that. Like it's it's a little bit more minor things, and it's and it feels like it's a lot more of an MMO, I guess, like a sandboxy game where there's a lot to do at any point. And there's a lot of things that I can't do because I just haven't, I'm just not high enough light level. There are patrols, there are adventures, there are places I cannot go in this game yet because I'm just not strong enough. And I don't know if you've like tried to do like the Dreaming Cities Ascendant Challenge or if you try to do like the Spiders Weekly Bounty, but man, there is some hard content in this game. Yeah. And not necessarily for the reasons of like oh it's just challenging but also just like you got to grind a lot yeah but i mean i, I feel like that's a decent I, I'm, I'm okay like, with that. i'm okay with that a little bit more than than previous stuff because i think this is also with a lot of the changes going into forsaken they finally made light level meaningful and that feels good i guess like the, i i think i think it's a big I think it's kind of an interesting thing that after you complete the story of Forsaken, you're basically going to be around 500 light level, and then you unlock the Dreaming City, and that's like a 520 light level thing. And you go in just feeling weak, and over time you'll get gear and feel better about it. And there's more content that rewards gear, and that that uh that like progression is actually meaningful for once. I feel you. And at the same time, I, I like the idea of ranking up because, for example, I know that you're a higher light level from me. So maybe you might appreciate the fact that I'm like, hey, Ryan, I need your help with this activity because I'm not strong enough. Yeah. And then you come in here with your buff warlock arms and you say, where's the bad guy? Yeah. Is he? Get on my back. Show James. me who hurt you. Get on my Show back. I will carry you. you. The, um. Yeah, I, and then I bring you in, and that inevitably you die too, because man, there's some tough stuff out I, there. I, I like that aspect. I like that that's a thing that would happen in Destiny now. I like that um, uh, that I I care about that stuff and that it's more well implemented. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really necessarily have an have an issue with that. Uh, also, oh, so what I was trying to say before I just said a bunch of words that clearly meant that I had lost my train of thought is that there's a good system built in um i don't know if i could imagine people not liking this but at the very least it's like up front and that is that there's this whole thing called prime engrams and prime engrams are like stronger than what you currently have um and they're gated through time um it's meant to be like like as you play you know every you know, two hours or so you'll you'll like be able to get a prime engram from something and uh that it's like it's done and then in enough of an algorithm that there was a glitch where people were able to constantly get prime engrams and what Bungie did was made it so they can't get prime engrams for like two weeks or like that basically it would like push back their prime engram buff 
Um, it's a literal buff that appears on your characters every uh, certain amount of time. I, I want stuff. How do I get stuff? Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. That's tragic. Yeah, but it's kind of cool because it's like uh, it finally rewards, you know, searching for stuff, finally getting good stuff and that uh, putting in time. Like at the very least, there's there's a good built in time wall that like you put in the time you will get better stuff. Don't like feel like the it's it's better than like at the very least the old like they, they, they have this system where now light level matters and what they could have done is more of like the old destiny where people are just stuck at certain light levels because they they just can't progress they don't have they're at the, they're at a wonky area where they're like not good enough to go into the raid but strikes aren't really giving them anything and at the very least like this is a way to like uh on a time on a set schedule dole out rewards so that you're never going to be caught like stuck stuck yeah, I, I guess the one point of contention for me is masterwork cores. So for those who don't know, masterwork cores are currency sold by one vendor, I, I believe, uh, the spider. And essentially, uh, with the way that he sells them, you can get like two a day. And they're what you use to infuse your old gear, like to rank it up. So if you have a piece of gear that you really like, then you use masterwork cores to make it stronger. And that feels very slow. I wish there were some other way to get masterwork cores. Yeah. Maybe there is, and I don't know about it. I don't know. Well, the main way that you're supposed to get them is through the masterwork drops, but they seem like uncannily I've never gotten uncommon. One. I've never gotten one. I've gotten two. Maybe they start appearing at higher levels. I don't know. No, they you can get them out of weird things. Like I don't I don't think I think I had gotten my first masterwork this expansion before I hit five hundred light level. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are like, I, I used my, my masterwork cores so far to upgrade my bad omens rocket launcher. Yeah. That Let is an amazing thing. Let me tell you the story tell of how I got my bad omens rocket launcher. Well, it was on it was the moon. Gambit. It was on Gambit. I was playing late at night with my friend Kirby and I got a rocket launcher and I said, this is the best rocket launcher. It's a small. And then you said, it is a small yaller horn. And we laughed and we played Gambit. And now I tell the tale of how I don't have masterwork cores to make it better. <laughs> yeah. Um, th that's a, I mean, at the very least, like that, it, like you, you mock it, but it's the first time that you'd ever say anything like that. It is. That's an improvement. That's an improvement, right? Like instead of like, oh, I, yeah, I got this purple rocket launcher that is, that is good, but everyone has it because it drops the same. Or like, yeah. Ironically, I, I just got my first better devils. Oh yeah, wait till your tenth one. That's when it gets exciting. Yeah. Your tenth, your tenth Ed Transit though. That is when the game gets real. But Better Devils now has like more stuff, right? Like it can roll random stuff. Yeah. Also, it's nice to finally have a hand cannon so that I can do my Ace of Spades quest. I finished that. They made it easier. They did. It, it they didn't change the, the way that it works. Uh, what did they change in particular? Uh, you can kill any in invade. You could kill any enemies in Gambit. Okay, so invading or otherwise. Okay, I don't think that's. I think that's fine. I I, I don't I, like not just guardians. Oh, wait, how many yeah. do you have to kill? Like, if if it's regular enemies, then it's like um, you have to kill like elite monsters or something. I don't I I don't have the breakdown. All I know is that I was looking at the quest and I was like, wow, this is a lot easier now. Okay. I was fine with the original way because I think that there should be more quests 
in uh, de- you know Destiny Two Forsaken like there were in Destiny One Vanilla, like the Thorn quest, right? Yeah, that was a really fun quest, and it. I feel like some of the purposes of those those quests uh, were were like twofold. Like first of all, obviously, like the excitement of getting them and trying to complete them and having this thing to work for, but. I think that the best quests teach you to like parts of the game. Um, I don't think that I was doing that much Crucible before I had gotten my first Thorn quest. And because of how much I had to play it, because Thorn was this thing where you got like points for kills, but like lost points on deaths. It was something like you had to get like a ton of points. I forget how many it was. Because I remember coming, I remember the first time that I saw Destiny, I had to see it. So I went to your house and, you know, you sat me in front of it and, and you were like, oh, here's like a heroic story mission. And I was playing it and, and I wasn't crazy about it. But then I got into Crucible and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the good stuff. I like yeah. Crucible. I always have Crucible. Except, Crucible feels really well balanced right now, except for Vanilla Destiny 2, which was very, very bad Crucible. It was horrendous. Oh, no. Um, that I mean, that was a big thing it. that we. I think we had talked about this last week, too. That was a big thing that people hated was that the game, basically, people were so spongy in that game that it revolt, it resolved or it, it was basically about team killing. So you had to travel in yeah, packs and um, focus fire. In Iron Banner now, I have had those experiences. And this will sound, you know, like like uh, like, I'm, um, you know, like a little bit masturbatory, but but essentially like where I'm wiping a whole team myself. Yeah, I mean, where it's just like I'm on Iron Banner. I'm 500. I've played 200 hours of PvP in Destiny One. Like I know my way around this game. Yeah, and I'm, I just destroy people because people, people in Destiny Two PvP are bad. Yeah, they don't really. Use, I feel like I don't really use see them using um, abilities in interesting ways. I feel like there's a lot of really cool abilities that you can use to be tricky and and get out of situations. And I, I mostly notice that like crucial players will just fight with guns. They just want to play COD, but, but they choose the wrong guns and they choose the wrong, like encounter spaces. Like, like I feel like people are missing out on like rudimentary things such as like, um, optimal distance for different weapons and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, sometimes like I'm fighting people and I just don't know if they just have any game sense. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I feel like there, a lot of people will like for like the what you're saying is like, uh, and I and I feel like I noticed this in the last game that I played where uh, people will uh, take a hand cannon, like they kind of fire slowly and they really suck up close. And what they'll do is they'll like try and run around a corner with a hand cannon to like you know jump on you, and it's like you're not really gonna do that much with that or alternatively i also had a time where this person is like fighting me at like medium range with a shotgun and is just not doing anything yeah and one thing that i really like is the way that they highlight shotgun users where like if someone is using a shotgun they it's like they have a flashlight on the front of their gun mm-hmm. it's like it's like you know with uh with sniper rifles they've got like a like that, that red, red glow. Yeah. And for and for shotguns it's like a white glow and you can really that adds a lot more counterplay to shotguns. Yeah. I I just feel like it's in a really good spot right now because you uh, you can make those plays where two people like jump up on a ledge in front of you two enemies jump up on a ledge in front of you and you you're at like a good distance for a gun and you like pick them off really quickly just with like two headshots like it, you could you could do those kind of things now you could be uh a outstanding crucible player in a way that you couldn't 
for a long time. You can make a difference. And that's all anybody wants in like a PvP game, right? Is to be able to make like an amazing play. Yeah, and not just be like team shooting. A cog in the machine. Yeah. So that's the Destiny talk. And, and I, I could talk more about it because it is mostly what I've been playing, to be honest. I've, I'm still playing Path. Still playing Dragon Quest Builders, but where I'm not are you really at playing anything. Uh, about where you'd expect, like uh, 86. I'm 85. Wow, you're getting up there. You've been playing a lot, huh? Yeah, um, it's just like I was saying last week. It's just a really fun uh, league mechanic that I'm enjoying a lot, and I'm loving my build so much. Um, I've been kind of I've been continuing to get like some I think pretty cool drops. Uh, I got to start Conja's head. That's Twice. a good one. I got two of them. One of them is way better. One of them has almost max rolls, so that's pretty good. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying it, and I'm excited to see what they do next league. But I'm still digging this league, so yeah, I'll um, keep playing it. I, I still but can't Destiny help. Got my attention. I still can't help, but really want. Uh, I, I you had mentioned it, but I know a lot of people are talking about um, when they do masters, like folding other mechanics into that, and I think that would actually make masters less ridiculous and tedious they're really annoying to do i don't really enjoy them and uh i'm on the grind for that uh and uh, i would also i can't believe how long it's taking them to do the uh the character and animation reworks uh i kind of want the game you gotta realize that how do they do that without doing all of the armors i mean the armor is just like paste on right is it it's, because all the armor is shaped for all the different characters for the diff six different models? I get. I don't know if that works like that, but because I mean, like a lot of other games just work like you know the the armors are like a wrap that they put onto the model, and the, the model is what they designed uh, the armors to fit around. So the main thing would be like you change. I mean, they don't even need to make the characters look better; just maybe making some of the animations better. Or like smoother looking, or like some of the stances a little bit better looking. Some of the characters are just weird. They're like too thin. I guess it makes sense. They're like wrecked exiles, so but but they don't show up well with armor. The witch, for example, I, I don't really feel like she looks that cool in armor. But holding a yeah, two-hander, there you go. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, I I don't know what animation changes would be like in Path of Exile. Like, what would you be expecting to happen? I don't know. Maybe some of the animations looking a little bit less wonky. Um, uh, like, for maybe, example, like, like let's say I don't know if I, some people I might think would hate this, but something like uh, when you're doing like tons of summon raging sp uh, spirits or whatever, summon raging souls or whatever, um, doing like instead of like that, like like awkwardly casting it like really really fast, like which might be exciting, maybe like that's what you want with the build to like look goofy but uh at some point almost like how funny it is that they're just like mashing out a billion skulls but to like just you know put one hand out and spray skulls out just just some stuff looks a little could could look a little bit better like i, I mean people i think people across the board can agree that it's a little janky looking sometimes just like a tune up on some of the skills to make them look a little bit better or maybe even like add some more visual effects to some of the more boring ones. I don't know. They've been doing that like all the time though. Yeah, Those so keep doing it, I guess. The visual skills. But yeah, I mean like uh it's hard because they would have to implement like different rules, right? Like they would have to say like if your cast speed is above 
this for this spell, then cast it in this way instead. Yeah, it doesn't seem that hard to do from a developer standpoint. It feels like you just explained how they would do it. But uh, uh, Path continues to be great. Um, that's awesome. Um, I, this week, uh, I, I played the demo for Valkyria Chronicles and that four for Switch. And that looks really interesting and feels good. I think that's a great on-the-go game. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I was really feeling Monster Hunter. Uh, I really miss Monster Hunter World, and it's just kind of fallen out as like a game that's harder to play because it almost a little bit takes up Destiny space. Like, like it totally like, does. Yeah, it's like, not even a question. Like, I'm, but I mean, we we always talk about this a lot. Like, everything takes up everyone's space. So, so like, uh, if I'm playing Path, D- Dragon Ball Fighters, and Destiny, then I just don't have time for Monster Hunter World. And yet, I this th- that makes me sad because I, especially on PC, I just like don't really have complaints. I haven't gotten to the part where I would have complaints. Um, I think the main thing that people complain about is just like lack of monster variety. And I think that's big, but the overall way the game feels is like incredible. And there's so many amazing changes made to the Monster Hunter formula, uh, which I found out even more so when I got Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate for the Switch. Uh, I just really wanted uh, a game like Monster Hunter World to be playing. I wanted Monster Hunter World on the Switch, but this is the next best thing, sort of. Well... Not exactly, though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, not exactly. Depen- uh, depends on who you ask. Um, I, I don't want to, like, so So one of the things that, the, the, the main thing that, that sucks is that I, like, there's a lot of, you know, needless text in the beginning of the game. I'm not really super about that, especially in Monster Hunter, where I feel like I know the runaround, like, there's going to be, like, there, there's really no narrative in uh monster hunter generations ultimate so it's even less important for me to listen to text in monster hunter world especially the first time i really took care to watch the cutscenes and read everything but uh there's a lot of just you know tutorializing stuff that uh, you know if you're if you're i've played a couple monster hunters now and not including world which is very different but uh like i just felt like you know just like let me go in let me do the 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 starting stuff and get going and and play and uh for like six hours i kept fighting the great Macau uh, guild quest thinking that this is like the thing I'm supposed to be doing right now. And that was a bad experience. Uh, I mean, they, I like you said, I think that they must say that in the, in some dialogue, but that I had like, you know, you know, like, I'm just like, get me to the parts where I'm fighting. If you're not, if there's no story, just like, you know, go. Um, But now I'm onto what I should be doing, which is like, literally great jaggy stuff and you know killing stupid little monsters but at least at the very least like i can be at now i'm at my level of where i'm not fighting the great macau for an hour and resharpening constantly because like i just can't get through that that dang things hide with my crappy weapons and armor but um uh it is it is stark to go back to that game there's a couple things that like I I don't miss at all, uh, and I don't know why they are a part of that game. Um, I think one of the main things that I think is annoying is like uh, environmental monsters just hurting you for no reason. Like I, I saw like I've seen like gifs of like people 
attacking, getting ready to like charge up a big attack while a monster is downed, and then one of those wasps hitting them and paralyzing them. Uh, like when I was oh, fighting, you mean like the small monsters. Okay, yeah. Yeah, when I was fighting the uh, the great Macau that I shouldn't have been fighting over and over again. There's this one room that it can go into that has like a stegosaurus kind of thing or like an ankylosaur. They like keeps it's not an ankylosaur actually, but it keeps charging over and over again, and that became such an obnoxious frustration for like times where like I got a hit and I'm like not aware of where that stupid thing was, and then I'm like charging up a big hit and then get knocked out of my animation. Um. I, I mean, stuff, little stuff. Like, there's so many little uh, uh, quality of life things that it makes it yeah. hard to hard to go back. Like, for example, pickaxes and, and, yeah, and Monster Hunter Nets. is old, right? I yeah, mean, like Monster Hunter in general is old, and Worlds is really the maybe the first game that's really dramatically changed anything. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. I'm glad that it exists, but obviously, it makes going back pretty tough. It's pretty tough because tough. like World. Monster Hunter has always been a game that I really wanted to get into, and it's just, like, the promise of it and the idea of it, and, like, I, it's not necessarily that, like, I don't enjoy, pl- I didn't enjoy playing those games all the time, it's just that, like, you know, that I fell off for different reasons, and there's just l- these little things that, like, I don't know why you make people do that, and this game is full of it. There's so many, like, weird things that I don't even remember that are, like, horrible, like, uh, uh, in Monster Hunter World, the gear sets uh, work in different ways, but there's not a ranged and melee set. And uh, for this game uh, in Generations Ultimate, I kind of I like I have to choose right away whether or not I want to do melee or gear or uh, range because those require different gear. Whereas in World, I was just bopping all over the place. It was awesome. Like I I made a gear set. Like I wasn't. At, I'm, I've never been at the point where. Like the gear set was like super ridiculously important, important, or I really need to optimize it. Um, so I would just create different weapons and play with different weapons, and I liked that. Um, uh, with Ultimate Generations Ultimate, yeah, I'm also yeah. like not really uh, don't really have like a full handle on the styles. I kind of get like a FOMO a little bit where when picking a weapon, I I feel like awkward about. Uh, choosing a style that's not maybe like guild style, which is like the core of the weapon, um, because it it feels like you like you, you you specialize in different things and it changes your gameplay style up a lot, which I think is good. But in Monster Hunter World, it's like almost as if they just put all those styles into those weapons already. There's so many cool changes t- to like how different weapons work. That uh, have been that have, that make the weapons like much more diverse in their attack patterns, and in Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, it's like all that all that diversity is like split up into different styles. More, it's not that's that's not true all the time. I mean, there's stuff like aerial style where like you just don't. That's just not there. It, you don't have a like jumping attacks for the switch axe. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that are generation specific and that I'll miss. And, and I wish that there was a game that was both of these, that was both Monster Hunter World and Generation, because I think that there are parts of each game that are really, really good and best of series. Obviously, Monster Hunter World wins out on, on quite a few more of best ofs, but there's some, there's some good stuff in Generation still. I like the different styles, especially like uh, the Brave style. Valor? Uh, which is new to, yeah, I guess it's called Valor in the in the in the west but but yeah i mean i i'm not a good person to talk about monster hunter 
because I'm very aware of like my own bias, which is like, I like Monster Hunter a whole lot more than people should. Uh, but that also makes me really happy that, you know, world is so well received. Yeah. And, and finally, like, I can tell other people that they should play Monster Hunter too. Yeah, it really, it really does like playing. I'm, I'm gonna keep playing it. Obviously, I've gotten nowhere. I spent so much time doing the wrong thing, um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff I, I do want to check out. Um, so, yeah. so it's, because again, there are things that they just do better. Like uh, the companions are so much cooler and so much more interesting in Monster Hunter Generations, and also you can play as them. And they take on the stats of the characters of the like ones that you've trained. So if you train a cat to be like really good with like explosive skills, then you can play as that cat and and use what you've taught it. Then that's just like so cool. There's just so much variety in that game. Yeah. Once you get into it. And um, also uh, in terms of like, I did want to also respond to the, uh, you know, Gunner and uh, Blademaster sets, and I agree that it's better in Worlds, but I will say that I always build a new a new armor set for every weapon that I use in Monster Hunter Worlds because it's always going to be a better weapon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fine. I, I just, I, I this recent time, of play, I'm, I now I want to play Monster Hunter World. I, I, I miss that game so much. I, I, I think what, game. with, with batting when Monster Hunter World came out for PC and I started playing it, um I, for the first time in the series uh because usually i just pick something and stick to it there were like for the first couple of monster hunters i just played Gunlance, um and then uh i was just playing uh, Gunlance and uh, i started with longsword transitioned to Gunlance, played Gunlance for a couple monster hunters um and then when insect Lave came out i played that and fell in love with it and it was really hard for me to go back to anything um, and then with uh, when World First came out on on PS4, I started playing as Insect Lance, and I I didn't check out anything else. Like everything else looked boring to me. And uh, playing this time, I really thought like don't you know you know, this easy this stuff in the beginning is like kind of easy. So so like don't you know f I don't have to feel like and I've seen it already, so I don't really necessarily have to feel like uh, I need to be like going in with the weapon that I that I know I, I I know the boss fights kind of already so so like I know where my different options and like where the different punishment and attacking uh chances are so I just you know jump between a couple different things and that's when I when the series that's like when a part of the series was really unlocked for me was just uh, I I was literally just crafting every time I got a kill on a new boss like the initial th the initial weapons aren't too hard to craft, so I would just look around for like what's a weapon that I have the new parts for with this with this boss, or am I'm really close to finishing that I haven't played yet. So I jump between tons of different things. I jump between like switch axe and charge blade and bow, and I like love those weapons so much. And um, yeah, and I love like specific boss fights, like or rather in a in in Monster Hunter we call them monsters not bosses, but uh, I like with Rathian and Rathalos, I just love to use a bow. And every time that I get up to them, I just, I just pick a bow because, because I like that specific matchup. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the fun is just like figuring out what, what monsters do you like against which weapons? Yeah. And I, but I don't always, I mean, like I'm, you're way more experienced than I am, but I think there's also something cool to like having a bad matchup Mastery. and, what yeah, yeah like having a bad matchup will really teach you 
like the hard way, like when your opportunities to attack are and like how you can't mess up those attacks. And because of that, like that's when you get better. It, like with a weapon, like there is so much skill that goes into using these weapons and getting to the point where the bosses are like, you know, uh, second nature and you react to all their tells and you know right away like uh, like where your uh, opportunities are like that is when you really feel accomplished I feel like but uh that's so that's Monster Hunter okay. I, I my I'm glad that you like I have an embarrassing time with it I was I'm, so I'm, incredibly I'm, frustrated I'm, by that game <laughs> yeah, doing, I'm, doing, I'm, on my I'm on glad my that you like world I gotta say yeah that's world, very exciting to me. world is I mean there's so many things that that world does that like i mean we're kind of mentioning it already but like world make like solves it's weird to go back to a monster hunter and realize like oh this is why i never really stuck to this game ever because world like there's not the load screens in between it's this open world even moving through it feels good the boss fights feel better like i don't like there's no gunner or melee sets so it allows you like better diversity especially in the beginning when you can really mess around with that uh there's a lot more like leniency well, did you know that in that in all monster hunter games the first couple of sets are both for gunners and blade masters it's true and if you don't know then now you know now i know um Little stuff like uh, pickaxes and bug nets just being something that you just, you know, you run over and grab a bug, it's not a big deal. Or you always have a pickaxe for, for whatever, or like those nodes reward you for just being there and having time to spend on it rather than having like this uh, like auxiliary or like ancillary uh, uh, resource that is breaking on you. Um, there's, there's tons of stuff like that where it's just like, and then also, like I said, uh, they've, they, I think they've made the weapons so much more dynamic. Like I, they really yeah, have like awesome. rolled in so much to make like, like bow in, um, in monster hunter generations. Like I was, I was in love with bow on in world because it's super dynamic. It is like, like constantly mobile and it feels amazing to play and you have a lot of different opportunities. You have a lot of different like abilities with the bow, but it really playing, going back to uh, generations feels like so much of that has been like stripped down to just like running around with a bow charging and blind firing. And that just doesn't feel like nearly as good, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say anything more judgmental about that game considering I have, screwed up it's an old game 99 percent of my time playing it yeah but it's like not even just like a couple of years old because like that formula is so old hey so, so i know i'm not supposed to be playing uh video games while we record but i just got my first exotic oh yeah more yeah. on more on that in 10 minutes yeah so have you been playing any other video games no i really haven't been no uh gotta say though uh i'm looking forward to Dragon Quest Builders 2, because I'm really liking the first one. Is that coming out for Switch? Game. It is. It okay. is, yeah. The first one, it's so relaxing. I like the world. I like the characters. And I am excited to play Dragon Quest Eleven when that comes out. Oh, that will be a nice well. Switch game. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I'm excited next week. Next Tuesday, I believe, is Valkyria Chronicles for Switch. And it Can looks... Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I, I don't get it. Okay. Um... I'm a huge fan of that series, which is weird because I haven't really played the other ones other than one, which is one of my favorite games of all time. They kind of didn't work as much for me. <coughs> um, but Valkyria Chronicles is 
a like World War Two fantasy setting with uh with like is there mages? No. Other wizards? No. Oh. There's nothing. There's nothing so fantastical. Like it's 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 like slightly fantasy, but it's not really like that that t- sort of fantasy. It's not that breed. Are there sexy tanks? Um, there are sexy tanks. There are tanks so goddamn sexy, and you want to hit them from the back. That's where you hit a tank. Ooh. Yeah, you hit them We're in their spicy. You hit them in their glowing are. back hole. Uh, but uh, Valkyria Chronicles is for like a complete primer. Is yeah, this this uh, World War Two style game where you have uh, you set up units on a field, and the enemy sets up units on a field, and then you pick a unit to move, and then you're basically active. Like everyone is standing still, and you move that unit to like where you want, and. Uh, fire with that unit where basically everyone else is like kind of frozen they'll fire at you if you stand too close to them but uh the idea is like you're moving one unit at a time and it's it's tactical it's not a you know it's not a game where you're like hard scoping like no scoping people with like sick kills like it's a tactical based game and there is like to the point of like there's like kind of dice rolling almost to the to to it like literally point i love that yeah like there's like RNG to to stuff like point I love that in a game where I roll a dice. I I mean the 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 dice rolling is not a big so so here here's where the here's where that comes in. Like I I mean I don't mean to mention that up front like that's a major thing. You you there's no dice rolling at like if you're using a gun at it's like pr- supposedly like optimal range and there's no dice rolling. If you're close to someone you're just going to hit them with everything. But like let's say you like here's a choice you might make in Valkyria Chronicles is like you have a this character has a machine gun, you're like a little bit out of range for or like a semi a submachine gun i guess technically um so you're a little bit out of range for this enemy um but you you aim at them and then you'll get this thing that says okay so if you pull the trigger on their chest then it'll hit like you'll you'll fire nine times and you need five kill you need like six hits to kill them but like the uh, the chances are that like because of the spread and the distance, you might not get those hits. So like you're trying to get your characters in optimal places. Whereas like if you aim at their head, it's like well you only need two hits, but it's even less likely that you're going to be able to hit them. Um, so st- stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I've played war games. I mean, most war games have an element of randomness to them. Even Root has that. Yeah. And it's really just about making sure that your strategy is so good, good that- enough. That the randomness doesn't like kill you. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, but still allows you to also sometimes make a risky play and have it pay off, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of Valkyria Chronicles as like a, like if Fire Emblem were good, um, because you, uh, it, it is very much similar to Fire Emblem in that, like between missions, you are like, not marrying people like you might in Fire Emblem, but like you're you're learning character stories and like growing characters bonds, creating like all these like back things where characters end up liking each other. So they they work better in combat as like a duo and like they give each other like, you know, area buffs and stuff like that. And you're you're really starting to like fall in love with your team. And and uh, similar to Fire Emblem, you kind of get that that like uh, 
like uh like that big dick long cue kind of thing where where you have a character that just pulls out some ridiculous thing and they level up and now they're stronger and you give them better weapons and you do go through the story and you're loving them and they're just you're always pulling it through for you and uh it's a great uh game and a great series and i i wish i had spent more time with the the uh f- the Valkyrie Chronicles other than one but um i'll talk more about that when when that comes out. But I guess the Switch is, is the perfect chance to revisit that. It's a really, I mean, what makes me really excited about it is it's a really good Switch game because you're... What is it? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's stuff that couldn't be maybe, like stuff that really required you to be more... I mean, I think like online stuff is weird. Some of the two biggest so, like, sellers right now are like Paladins and Fortnite. And those are online games. Yeah. Like if so you're... allegedly great Switch games. Yeah. I don't. I just don't know if those are like always good because they're not the kind of things that are. They're not meant to be portable. Like if you if you have the, if you're playing like like if you have Fortnite and you're playing it on like your work break or at school and like a study hall or something where you have Wi-Fi and and you you know the timing you have then sure. But uh, I just feel like like it's it doesn't work for me where I'm driving around and I don't have I don't have that luxury. Uh, and but Valkyrie Chronicles is good because you kind of like. Are doing a lot of planning and and the the game is always like basically paused so you're like going but when you're going between these things it's since it's more tactical and slow that uh at any point in time it's easy to to uh like just either put it on sleep mode or just like pause it or something it's not too bad in that sense um so that's yeah that's real here chronicles that's coming out on tuesday uh so are we ready to move to our uh p games our tabletop games our tabletop games. Have we played anything this week? I'm gonna have to think on that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh. Well, I. It would be hard for you to forget that we played like four hours of Gaia Project. Uh. We we played a couple games yesterday. We played uh uh some of BattleCon, which I want to revisit another time because I think it just wasn't a good first showing of BattleCon. Sure. Yeah. Um. I can see that. Yeah, like it 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 felt uh it, BattleCon is a card game replicating a fighting game and it has elements of like moving and uh like positioning your character and and different ranges that things work but uh because of like all the different uh kind of combinations of of attacks and cards I felt like a lot of times we were getting into like awkward moments where like people are out of range and like what you're doing just like isn't working and you don't really know like necessarily like I didn't really know necessarily why. I feel like BattleCon would be would be a game that got like so much better through repeated plays of the same characters. Like if you had the a same if, characters, yeah. Absolutely. If you ha- if you, you un- know the matchups. Yeah, if you like understood matchups and there was an element more of like knowing right off the bat uh what the other character is capable of, like what ranges they operate at, how you can like stymie them, that you you could create these meaningfully yeah, and, smart and, plays. Yeah, and they do give you the necessary tools to do that, but it's not as interesting as playing, but like they tell you like, oh, this is a mid-range character this is what they're going to try to do. Here's what you should do. They give you like reference cards that you like pass along to the enemy. And yeah. essentially they just, they, they give you that, but that's not, that's not how learning works. Yeah. Um, so, so BattleCon is a really neat idea. Uh, as someone who loves fighting games, 
uh, I should like it more. And maybe if I understood and played more of the same characters that I would get to the point where I really felt like what happened after I put the cards down made sense. I think that's the main thing yeah, is like, there's also some different like play modes and like there was ways that they've like remixed it and iterated it. What we were playing is we were playing the very first iteration of BattleCon, which is like pretty old and they have like newer systems and the newer boxes. But right now there's no good way to combine like the new box and the old box until until the until the new Kickstarter comes out, which is coming out I think today, uh, which is going to Essentially, it comes with like tomorrow or tomorrow or today. It comes with like tuck boxes for every character, like across the whole series. They're they're releasing a new thing. They're releasing a bunch of erratas, so they're gonna like update, like buff and nerf some characters. All right, that sounds good. It's gonna be a really comprehensive uh, expansion. Yeah. Uh, After that, we played Gaia Project, followed by King Domino. King Domino is pretty fast. Uh, it, there's not much to talk about. It's um, it's it's a pretty well-known game at this point, but essentially it's just like a tile-laying game. But it's like the most simplified tile-laying game that you could get. But but it's cool. There's like an element of drafting and an element of like predicting what your opponent wants to do and like analyzing, is it better for me to improve my own board or to disrupt my enemy? And I think it plays pretty well at two. Yeah. Um, but I can also see how it would be interesting with more players. I really like, I don't know what it is about tiling that's so satisfying, so like eerily satisfying. Um, uh, especially, like it reminds me almost like King uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, where uh, at the end of it, whether you win or lose, like there's something to look at. And even when, like like I th- we, we played one game where you beat me and we played another game where uh, we tied, which is weird. But um. Uh, I think even like just placing the tiles down and like feeling like a good combo was upcoming and like getting that tile and putting it down next to the different types of land, which is like the main thing is like each of the tiles are they're they're in cut in half by uh, a type of land uh, and they could have two different types of land or one of the same land and you're trying to like build on combos to build out this kingdom. So uh, that is a really neat game, and it takes 10 seconds to explain, and uh, it is very short to play, but satisfying. So, very good filler game. And Yeah, and, definitely. And you want games like that in your collection. Not every game can be Gaia Project, right? Yeah, well, Christ Almighty. So, Gaia Project. Good thing. Yeah, good thing. Because um, we don't like that game. I... <laughs> yeah, uh... What are, you, what are your thoughts on your second play of th- Gaia Project? It's pretty bad, right? It's a pretty bad game. I got I I just I got to know what your what you what your thoughts are. Well, uh how do I start talking about Gaia Project? How do you start all, talking about Gaia Project? It all started with the Quantum Intelligence Cube. Okay. Uh so Gaia Project is a game where you're forming a space civilization. But more than anything, I guess it's a resource management euro, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with variable player powers. So depending on which race you choose, you get different abilities. And, and they're very variable. They're very different. It's not just like, oh, one guy has two charisma or one guy uh, can swim faster. But, but they're big, right? Like they're big sweeping changes that essentially you should 
completely change the way that you look at the board. Like should completely should define what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's like the backbone of everything you're you're gonna do. Because if you don't play into them, you don't got much going on at all. Yeah, Um, I from the two plays that we we have, uh, I really love the variable player uh, boards. Uh, I feel like they add they inject a lot of that like excitement of of like each race working very very differently and going for like it leading you down different strategies or valuing things in different ways and that is is really good i i i like i i'm interested in like like uh on so very wrong about games we we talked about this last time i think when we talked about guy project but uh in so very wrong about games they talked about how they didn't like the idea of symmetrical uh player factions in this um which like I don't know I, I don't remember what they said about Terra Mystica, which is like you know, Gaia Project is the the successor to Terra Mystica for some I guess, but um, uh I I never have felt like the uh races powers were like leading me so far down to like I must only play in one certain way. It's just that like, but I like, think you have to yeah, and I think that. The more you play that game and the better you get at it and the better opponents you play against, I think you might realize that that's true. Maybe, but I, but there's enough there, like, to, to offset this, there's a lot of variability to uh, set up. Um, you can set up the board. Unlike Terra Mystica, the board isn't a stock board. Uh, it's like it's not static; it's dynamic. So you're you're setting it up like tiles, like uh, you would with like a TI game, which like greatly uh, influences like the 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 factions, like their starting planets or like what are juicy starts and stuff like that and then going into that there's like the different round builders and there's the different uh like probably one of the biggest things is that like you can never sit on like this is the way my character plays because uh that's more of like an economy building thing rather than it is like a wind condition always because the wind condition is more like but technically the way that you set up the game is that you define the board and then you draft characters so if you're really looking to min-max this game, then you choose your character based on the board. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. then you choose whichever character has the best planets for the current board layout, which is what I did. Uh, and you choose, uh, you know, are, are my powers going to be affected by this board state or not? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I really also uh, love the the uh, technology track uh, from that uh, in in Terra Mystica, it's just kind of a binary like moving up. What is it really for? Can you explain that to me? It's something to, I don't know. It's like a, what do you call this mechanic? It's a seesaw mechanic, right? Where where you're just try- trying to make sure that somebody else doesn't go too out of balance. But what does it do? Uh, it gives you points at the end of the game. Okay, that's it. All right, that's the beginning and the end of it. Um, with Gaia Project, I think the thing that makes me like and, it the most is oh, that... And, and then, oh, sorry, but there's also um, favor tiles, which are similar to the um, tech tiles in uh, Gaia Project. And depending on which um, which cult tracks you've gone up affects which uh, favor tiles you can pick up later in the game. Okay. So you need to attune... So there, there is something. 
cults. Yeah, there is something. Um, I just I just really love the way the Gaia Project does it. It's probably my favorite aspect of that game. Um, the race's abilities to do anything are determined by these tracks. Like for example, um, you start off with everyone basically, other than like certain races that break these rules and like move up the tracks in different ways or start up these tracks. Uh, your ability to like do things in this game in a lot of cases are defined by where you are on these tracks, which I think is really exciting. Like uh, moving up there, there's one track that's all about increasing the distance that you can build uh, uh, your, your uh, on increasing the distance that you may build planets on. So you're like picking a planet to build out from and you start out with only being able to build adjacent uh, on adjacent planets, but you can move that up to be able to, to build further and further away. There's one track that is about uh, making the terraforming step similar to uh, Terra, uh, Terra Mystica. Uh, you can make it cheaper to uh, terraform even harder to inhabit land. Um, there's different like income and uh, 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 steps. There's, di- there's uh, one whole uh, track for uh, doing these Gaia projects where you transform unhappy planets that are projects. Yeah, that sounds like the are, thing you're supposed to do. I guess a, not always. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's so much to like about this game, and I feel like we're like I, I really want to play Terra Mystica to see where I fall in it because with Gaia Project, I really feel like it enco- it encompasses a lot of the things that I look for in a board game, like the the different like economy building with like slight player interaction and variable player powers like all those things i just find so crunchy wow that's a very loaded term yeah um that's a board gamer term yeah uh i i just feel like there's so much to think about i think one of the things that i one of the things that i like the most about the two times i played gaia project is that i certainly felt like afterwards i could look back at the entire game and think about different things i did wrong or different things i did right and where things worked or where things didn't and uh you can't always do that and with how a board did game they work out and how did they work out um if i remember correctly uh you and charlene did fantastically you did you got 130 points i did and charlene got 119 yes and i got 75 60? 65 65 okay um 65 uh i, I mean a tough game it wasn't like like that loss doesn't feel bad though because like i know where i went wrong i think like some of the most interesting things about losing the second time was that uh i realized that i was playing i i had valued the board in a in the way that i should have for the first time um, the first time I played as the humans, which I think are really fun, they are like more leaning towards doing these Gaia projects because of this complicated thing called the pa- like the power cycle, where there's these different cups of like the the three, two, and the one, and you can only spend them in the one, but they're all but your different little power circles, yeah, yeah, are moving too up. Much to- yeah, the main thing is like they get a bonus for this. They are like their power is going back into the two cup, so it's a little bit easier to use. It's a little bit less punishing. And they also start out with one of their Gaia formers, which no other races do. So I like kind of valued the board a little bit similar to the way I did originally, 
like, well, yeah, I'll go up on like, look at all those trans dim, the, 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 the purple planets. They're, they're the planets that I should be next to because I can get ahead and build on them when no one else can build on them. But without really realizing that like this mind stone, I was playing the, the Taclons, which is great. Um, uh, they, they have this great? thing that breaks the whole power thing. They have the, the the whole power mechanic where one of their power stones is worth three. So you're just trying to always get that in and spend that. It's just more efficient. So the whole thing, their whole strategy just basically revolves around building near people to be able to charge more power. Um, and I didn't really do that. And like that was really one of the big things that led to like initial problems is like not realizing how important it is to yeah so to use your variable player power mm-hmm. to play into it right and this yeah. is the criticism i i don't I, but i know i never feel like it necessarily makes it bad i, I feel like that that's reductive bad. though because it's not like right? i feel like like the like everyone works at like you still have those core uh you know mechanics that everyone abides by and you still have to you know deal with the seesaw of the the ore to be able to build and the money to be able to build and knowledge to be able to like learn things and go up the tech tracks and stuff like that and then there's also like the the mental gymnastics that you have to do to play this game of remembering all the conversions like okay i can convert uh, power to money. So I'm the Taclon. So my mind cube gives me money and it does, right? So you could cycle your mind cube and you get like three money. So maybe you don't need trade posts. Maybe instead of investing in trade posts, you get the, get the money through the power. So instead you invest in workers, you invest in ore, you invest in creating knowledge and then going up the knowledge tracks to again, further, uh, emphasize your powers as the Taclon, and like that's that's how it is, right? That's how it works. Yeah. Um, so so you're not you're not beholden to your power. I mean, you kind of are, but it's not a matter of it doesn't feel like a crutch. Yeah. It feels like it feels like a a new puzzle. Yeah. With every with every race. Where, yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what I'm saying. Maybe I mean, not as eloquently as I could. Yeah. I mean, I I think the thing that. I, I think it's reductive to just say that you would like build out in a certain way because the game is just so much more complex than that. And that it feels like where the player powers stand is that everyone has this slow Euro game and the player powers are like giving you a like a completely game breaking boost to one aspect. You're still going to have to deal with the other aspects of the game, but there's something that like this you like utilizing these powers can like kickstart you to being able to do more and instead of just playing the regular game of just like like you know not really utilizing those powers just like putting down mines getting order putting down trade posts getting money trying to build out from that way so like this is i feel like the player powers are something to like grab onto to get that 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 like that weirdly enjoyable like breaking certain aspects of the game to get like way more of a resource than you're than anyone else can get or like way more than you're supposed to but not necessarily something that like forces you into uh like a strategy that will just play out the same way every game that's like where i have that problem is like these these powers don't make me feel like i'm just playing out the strategies the same way like i would want to do it the same way every game it would be like i would want to do different things and be more intelligent about 
the different like round scoring and how I can utilize my player power to go up that. I hear you. But uh, yeah, I had a really good time. Um, I hope next time we hang out, we can play some Terra Mystica and I can see what it's like on the uh, other side of the river and that we can also see two different on the other rivers. Side of the river. Oh, yeah. that's good. I like that. Uh, and we can see two different rivers, the Yellow and the Yangtze. Oh, that's good. That's very nice, Ryan. I like how you tied it all together. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else? Um, no. Let's we could start. Destiny. You, you and I could start. Yeah, playing Destiny and and get ready. I'm in a blind well event right now, so you know. What, did you ever see what that exotic was? It is a graviton forfeit, and I learned something very interesting. So I had a light level 500 graviton forfeit with very very good stats, like with very good random rolls, but it had very low. It had like bad light. But when this one dropped, it dropped at 517, and I was actually able to infuse the new one into the old one for like 2,000 glimmer and no resources. Yeah, because infusing, it was the same weapon. Yeah, infusing the same weapon or armor is actually much cheaper. But uh, like we were saying before, I think we didn't even mention, is that the whole master economy is messed up, and it makes it prohibitive to uh, infuse other weapon types, and I think that's a problem. Not even other weapon types, like literally like the same weapon has to the same weapon or armor has to be infused and if you like infusing two different hand cannons then you still have to deal with like really kind of crippling costs yeah so i don't know the master working is is but there's enough other ways to do it and you get the cores that you need so that like if there's a weapon that you really want to infuse they do give you enough all right eventually you, do you want to take us home WTDG podcast, WTDGpodcast.com, at sign WTDG podcast on Twitter, iTunes, What's the Deal with Games, where you can rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. Thank you, Ryan Gowling, crying for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro revive off the new album, Beyond the Fleeting Gales. You can find them in the Run for Cover Band Camp. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, James. Uh, the Taclon and the Mind Cube have been announced for Super Smash Brothers. I don't know what they're going to do with that Mind Cube. The Q, I, I think the, I, I, I was more excited that the QIC is now a, is now a trophy, an assist trophy. It's a great assist trophy. I know when you break All you it. Need is, yeah. When you when you pop it, it just makes your attacks uh, longer. What more could you want? Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, James. <laughs>